Welcome to Daily Audio Bible Chronological. I'm Jill. Today is the fifth day of December. Welcome, everybody. It is so great to be here with you today. Truly an honor and a privilege to be reading the Word of God for all of us, with all of you. And it's a privilege that I don't take lightly. And so I thank you for allowing me to be here. And I thank you for being here with me. And I thank you for setting this time aside to be intentional in the Word of God, to allow Him to speak to your heart, to allow your mind to be renewed, your spirit to be refreshed, and maybe even a good dose of oofness <laughs> to come our way where we hear Scripture and basically all we can say is, oof, that hurts. But what we do with that hurt is most essential. We can disregard it, dismiss it, avoid it, and it'll come out one way or the other. We can mask it. We can bring comfort with false comforters to bring temporary relief, or we could sit with the ouch and ask the Holy Spirit to come and heal us and change us and cause us to go in a different direction and then let's end on something positive uh, maybe it will encourage us lift our heads lift our spirit and say to us that which exactly what we need to get through today so i pray maybe it does all of those things as we hear as we listen as we see and as we open our hearts continuing Second Corinthians today, chapters 5 through 9, long reading. And this week we're reading the Christian Standard Bible, Second Corinthians chapter 5. For we know that if our earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal dwelling in the heavens not made with hands. Indeed, we groan in this tent, desiring to put on our heavenly dwelling, since when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. Indeed, we groan while we were in this tent, burdened as we are, because we do not want to be unclothed, but clothed, so that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave us the Spirit as a down payment. So we are always confident and know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. In fact, we are confident and we would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Therefore, whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to be pleasing to Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each may be repaid for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Therefore, since we know the fear of the Lord, we try to persuade people. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your consciences. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you an opportunity to be proud of us so that you may have a reply for those who take pride in outward appearance rather than in the heart. For if we are out of our mind, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us since we have reached this conclusion that one died for all and therefore all died and he died for all, so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. From now on, then, 
We do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. Even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Working together with him, we also appeal to you. Don't receive the grace of God in vain, for he says, At an acceptable time I listened to you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. See, now is the acceptable time, now is the day of salvation. We are not giving anyone an occasion for offense so that the ministry will not be blamed. Instead, as God's ministers, we commend ourselves in everything, by great endurance, by afflictions, by hardships, by difficulties, by beatings, by imprisonments, by riots, by labors, by sleepless nights, by times of hunger, by purity, by knowledge, by patience, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, through weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left, through glory and dishonor, through slander and good report, regarded as deceivers, yet true, as unknown, yet recognized, as dying, yet see, we live, as being disciplined, yet not killed, as grieving, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet enriching many, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. We have spoken openly to you, Corinthians. Our heart has been opened wide. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. I speak as to my children as a proper response. Open your heart to us. Do not be yoked together with those who do not believe. For what partnership is there between righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship does light have with darkness? What agreement does Christ have with Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? And what agreement does the temple of God have with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God said, I will dwell and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch any unclean thing, and I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. So then, dear friends, since we have these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from every impurity of the flesh and spirit, bringing holiness to completion and the fear of God. Make room for us in your hearts. We have wronged no one, corrupted no one, taken advantage of no one. I don't say this to condemn you, since I have already said that you are in our hearts, to die together and to live together. I am very frank with you. I have great pride in you. I am filled with encouragement. I am overflowing with joy in all our afflictions. In fact, when we came into Macedonia, we had no rest. 
Instead, we were troubled in every way, conflicts on the outside, fears within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the arrival of Titus, and not only by his arrival, but also by the comfort he received from you. He told us about your deep longing, your sorrow, and your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced even more. For even if I grieved you with my letter, I don't regret it. And if I regretted it, since I saw that the letter grieved you, yet only for a while, I now rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because your grief led to repentance. For you were grieved as God willed, so that you didn't experience any loss from us. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, but worldly grief produces death. For consider how much diligence this very thing, this grieving as God wills, has produced in you. What a desire to clear yourselves, what indignation, what fear, what deep longing, what zeal, what justice. In every way you showed yourselves to be pure in this matter. So even though I wrote to you, it was not because of the one who did wrong or because of the one who was wronged, but in order that your devotion to us might be made plain to you in the sight of God. For this reason, we have been comforted. In addition to our own comfort, we rejoiced even more over the joy Titus had because his spirit was refreshed by all of you. For if I had made any boast to him about you, I have not been disappointed. But as I have spoken everything to you in truth, so our boasting to Titus has also turned out to be the truth. And his affection toward you is even greater as he remembers the obedience of all of you and how you received him with fear and trembling. I rejoice that I have complete confidence in you. We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that was given to the churches of Macedonia. During a severe trial brought about by affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. I can testify that according to their ability, and even beyond their ability, of their own accord, they begged us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in the ministry to the saints and not just as we had hoped. Instead, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us by God's will. So we urged Titus that just as he had begun, so he should also complete among you this act of grace. Now as you excel in everything, in faith, speech, knowledge, and in all diligence and in your love for us, excel also in this act of grace. I am not saying this as a command, rather by means of the diligence of others, I am testing the genuineness of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. And in this matter, I am giving advice because it is profitable for you, who began last year not only to do something, but also to want to do it. Now also finish the task, so that just as there was an eager desire, there may also be a completion according to what you have. For if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. It is not that there should be relief for others and hardship for you, but it is a question of equality. At the present time, your surplus is available for their need, so that their abundance may in turn meet your need, in order that there may be equality. As it is written, the person who had much did not have too much, and the person who had little did not have too little. 
Thanks be to God, who put the same concern for you into the heart of Titus. For he welcomed our appeal and, being very diligent, went out to you by his own choice. We have sent with him the brother who is praised among all the churches for his gospel ministry. And not only that, but he was also appointed by the churches to accompany us with this gracious gift that we are administering for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our eagerness to help. We are taking this precaution so that no one will criticize us about this large sum that we are administering. Indeed, we are giving careful thought to do what is right, not only before the Lord, but also before people. We have also sent with them our brother. We have often tested him in many circumstances and found him to be diligent, and now even more diligent because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and co-worker for you. As for our brothers, they are the messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. Therefore, show them proof before the churches of your love and of our boasting about you. Now concerning the ministry to the saints, it is unnecessary for me to write to you, for I know your eagerness, and I boast about you to the Macedonians. Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers, so that our boasting about you in this matter would not prove empty, and so that you would be ready just as I said. Otherwise, if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to mention you, would be put to shame in that situation. Therefore, I considered it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance the generous gift you promised, so that it will be ready as a gift and not as an extortion. The point is this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you, so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. As it is written, He distributed freely, He gave to the poor, His righteousness endures forever. Now the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will also provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the proof provided by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedient confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone. And as they pray on your behalf, they will have deep affection for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. I would be amiss if I didn't pull such a important question from today's reading that I also find in The God of Your Story, which is uh, an incredibly beautiful resource. If you haven't picked it up, it's a, a devotional that accompanies the daily reading, and I use it as a beautiful resource uh, a lot of days. Brian, who is a craftsman with words, he has this ability to bring protein-packed words uh, with the least amount of words that count and that make sense. And so pulling from that today, 
Uh, in our reading from Second Corinthians, Paul encourages us to consider how we are attempting to blend what can never be in harmony. And this is chapter 6, verses 14 through 16. And I'm going to continue on right there. For Paul, this was a massive issue. Attempting to have one foot in darkness and the other in the light was nothing more than unhealthy contamination. As sons and daughters of the Most High, why would we do that? Why do we? To put it in the vernacular of Ecclesiastes from our Old Testament reading, this is nothing more than chasing the wind. It's meaningless. Paul encourages us to cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit, and in doing so, to work toward complete holiness because we fear God. I'll bring a full admission. I think this passage has confused me at times thinking about mixing. I have read it thinking, oh, well, then you avoid the unbeliever. You avoid people who have a difference in denominational beliefs or uh, just convictions and morals. Doesn't that go against who Jesus was and what Jesus taught? I believe in my own understanding, and I would argue that the deeper meaning here is not association, but participation. When we say that we believe one thing and then may participate in the very thing that we say we stand against or that we do take a stand against, and we may do that in secret, we may do that in hiding, we may be striving in one place for righteousness and in the very next moment participating and sometimes for reasons we don't even know why or see, but participating in the very things that are unholy, unrighteous, which, according to the word, defiles our very spirit. Separation, to be separate from the world, to me means do not participate. And sometimes we have to stop and take a very conscientious inventory, a very conscientious look at our actions. Are they matching our words? Because words are meaningless if our actions are giving, speaking a very different message. I would love to say that all of this is revelation from the Holy Spirit without actual participation myself. That is not the case. And I think sometimes where we can get so tripped up is once we are aware, what do we do with that? Do we get stuck in shame? Do we run and hide in our shame and deem ourselves unworthy? Or do we run toward repentance into the loving arms of a loving Father who said, I will walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. We know that impurity either has to be burned out or it has to be cleansed out. But there is a process to it, a very intentional process. We can never become pure by avoiding 
the thing that causes the impurity. We have to be intentional to the process of purification, of cleansing, of refining. And there are times we pray and God just does it. And oftentimes it's a process and we have to give ourselves to the things that will help us. And sometimes that process is really hard. But what we know is that God will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He will never turn his back on us. And so I would encourage us to consider these words and allow space for the Holy Spirit to speak. Jesus, thank you for being here with us today. Thank you that you are with us, never leaving us, never forsaking us. And I pray that our good intentions would be more than intentions. They would be actions because we are choosing to participate in our own stories consciously and intentionally seeking righteousness so that the world in need, the world who has lost their way, the world that is mostly hopeless would see the light in us and it would shine and scatter the darkness. Let our lives bring hope to the hopeless and may love abound. I pray this now in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Daily Audio Bible that is home base. Check it out if you haven't. That's the website where anything you want to know, you can know. It's also the free app that you can download. Speaking of app, if you would like to partner with the Daily Audio Bible, several different ways for you to do so. If you are giving by mail, D-A-B-P-O Box 1996, Spring Hill, Tennessee 37174, or utilizing that app, hit the Give icon up at the top right-hand corner, and lastly, look for the Give icon on the website. For many of us, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Talking about Christmas time, if you would like to be a part of the Christmas initiative to help with all of the beautiful changes taking place in technology, uh, you can still be a part of that. You can find that on the website as well in the store. Uh, you can give $25 minimum donation and receive one of five vinyl albums that is taking place exclusively here on Daily Audio Bible at Christmas time. The five albums include Sleep, Heart, Christmas Time by Maxwell Harden, Family Christmas Album, and Promised Land, the soundtrack. Of course, you can purchase all five albums, $25 a piece, or you can select one of five ways, one album, two albums, three, four, or all five. And lastly, if you would love to be a part of the Daily Audio Bible virtual Christmas party, uh, there's still time for you to call in or use your mobile device to call in your Christmas greeting. What a beautiful time for this community to come together and hear from one another. People that you have prayed for, people that you have prayed with, people you have rejoiced with, you have wept with, literally all over the globe. And so that open window will come to a close. Jump on that while you can. That's going to do it for me today. I'm Jill. We'll turn the page together tomorrow. Until then.
love one another. Hey, my amazing dab C-Fam. This is Kingdom Seeker Daniel and... Cheryl from Central California, also known as the Fresno Angel. And Darren Valentine, her husband and Daniel's friend. Yes, I am here with the Fresno Angels. And I want to share real brief because I can't give you the full story. If you want the full story, you can probably read it on the DABC page. But as I went to visit D2, God would have it that he was not ready to come out for the visit. But God would also have it that I had an incredible opportunity to do a little ministry with a young man of 20 years young and his mother and it was absolutely incredible how the Lord intervened and orchestrated that whole situation and I tell you God really just showed up in that place and he comforted my heart he grabbed my heart because he knew had I walked away with no kind of deposit, it would have been a, a different day, I believe. But he, he allowed it to turn out differently, and I bless his name. And so, just want to encourage all you moms and dads out there that have prodigals, perhaps people behind, behind bars, know that God has not forgotten them, as this young man seemed to have thought. And so, I just want to encourage your hearts to know when God closes one door, always opens another. So family, be encouraged as I sign off with the Fresno Angels. We love you, family. Have a blessed day. Bless you, family. Hey, DFC fam, it's Carrie, a.k.a. Jesus Girl. I just wanted to call and lift up one beloved daughter and her friend David. Lord, I come to you today and I thank you so much for one beloved daughter. I thank you that she is your beloved and I thank you that she has become a beloved part of our community and our family. Lord, I thank you for her faithfulness to call in to pray for people and to pr ask for prayer for friends and family. And Lord, she even ran out of time talking in requesting prayer for her friend to be able to give her time to speak on her need. And so Lord, I'm bringing her to you and placing her in your hands and saying, Lord, you know the details of whatever it was she might have asked for for herself. And I'm asking you to reign supreme as you always do in her life and in her situation. And then, Lord, her friend David, this poor man, he's got a lot going on in his life, Lord. And the most important, most horrific part of her entire um, laid out situation is the fact that he's lost to you, Lord. And Lord, right now he has a diagnosis that's possibly leading to the end of this mortal life. And Lord, I just ask and beg, please, that you draw him to you, that the, you use these situations, bring people into his life to speak your message, Lord, to him, speak to his heart, open it and soften it and draw him to you. Help him to realize that you are the only source of comfort and peace and salvation that he is able to get via this life or the afterlife and Jesus that um, there's no way he's going to survive any of it without you And but Lord I also ask please touch his body help him as he deals with his chemotherapy and 
um, all the horrificness that goes with it and all the things he may have going on in his world. Lord, thank you, praise you, love you, God bless y'all. Hello, hello, this is Walking in Truth from Florida, and I just wanted to call in and pray over our marriages. Lord God, I am so thankful for the gift of marriage, and um, what a beautiful picture it is, uh, Lord God, that when uh, you created this institution, you already knew that uh, you were going to model this after Christ, uh, the bridegroom, and and his beautiful bride, the church. And Lord God, I thank you um, that you created man and woman not to be alone and and that you created help meets uh, in, in the form of um, a, a, a spouse and uh, to create this beautiful thing called a family. And so Lord God, I know the enemy is seeking to destroy marriages all over the world and uh, just mar that beautiful picture and Lord God marriage is hard uh, we, we take two different um, <laughs> two different uh, people wired completely separate differently uh, with different life experiences and tell them to become one flesh and um, it is it is difficult at times and I just pray Lord God that you would not allow the enemy to tear our marriages apart that you would strengthen each one of us Lord God and that our resolve to get it right um, in our marriage would be greater than the temptation to give in and give up and Lord God I pray that um, each spouse would uh, have a heart and an attitude that seeks to uh, live right by you and and do things your way, that we wouldn't be selfish or greedy, uh, that we uh, would uh, be serving and loving uh, like you did. And Lord God, I just ask this in your name, Jesus.